What up, though? Welcome to the Fat Boy MMA Podcast, where we talk about everything combat sports, but mainly MMA. If you want to hear a couple regular MMA fans talk about MMA history, notable fighters, up-and-coming fighters, and everything in between, then this is the podcast for you. Now, I should warn you, we're not professionals, but we are big fans of combat sports. Now, if that sits good with you, grab a beverage, sit back, relax, and let's go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Fat Boy MMA Podcast. I am your host, DC. And of course, I got my co-host here with me, Locke. Hey, what's going on, everyone? So, on today's episode, I came across one of those chill videos, which uh, we've gotten a few topics from chill. You know, he seems to talk about some good stuff that maybe not a lot of people's talking about. Some of the stories, it seems like he got a little bit of an edge, kind of like an Ariel Hawani. But then also, we know it's chill, so half of the shit he probably makes up, right? <laughs> but he had an interesting... But he always makes it up confidently. You know, it's like the <laughs> yes. wedding crashers theory of breaking news. You just say shit and say it like you mean it. And, and, if, and if it's wrong and people call you out, just don't pay attention. Absolutely. And, and it always sounds good. So I'm like, yeah, of course, chill said it. It's there. But uh, one of the things that he talked about was um, Jake Paul, I guess, is about to try and make his way over to the world of MMA. Now, my guess is part of that depends on what happens with him in this upcoming Anderson Silva fight. If he doesn't get beat up too bad, he'll probably still make his way over. If he get knocked out or something, we might see the end of Jake Paul's fighting career, right? But... Um, one of the things that was interesting was he said that he's going to be going over and training with AKA. And for those that don't know, um, AKA, there's a few, um, a few, um, you know, MMA. Yeah. So there's a few MMA camps out there, you know, going back to some of the early days of the UFC that really has put out a lot of champions, and when I say the early days, if you go back and listen to episodes, we talk about the different eras, not necessarily talking about like that first era, but kind of going into that second and third era. Of course, we talk about uh, Jackson Wings. We talk about uh, ATT or well, AKA is another one of those gyms. Most people that haven't been around for a long time may only know uh, the likes of Daniel Cormier, DC, and Khabib famously are out of AKA, but they've had a lot of good fighters. They've had uh, a few other champions. Uh, Rock Hole was a champion out of AKA. Cain Velasquez was a champion out of AKA. Uh, but they've had some good fighters through the years. Um, notable, real good fighter that we've talked about here before. As a matter of fact, he's a guy that we probably should do a, a, a you know, gloves and roses on is um uh your guy the wrestler that uh lost his gsp fitch yeah fitch was a really really good solid guy out of aka so it's a good camp to go to in the past they've kind of been known for turning a little bit hard and getting injured a lot i don't see that as much anymore uh but uh who knows but i wanted to throw it over to you lock and just get your opinion on one Jake Paul talking about entering MMA and then to your thoughts of him going over to AKA to train. 
Well, I think if he's looking to make a move to MMA or even considering it, I feel like AKA would be a good gym to go to because you have professional talent at all different levels. So that's going to right away give you a solid gauge of where, where you stand competition-wise. And it's a gym that's known, even though it's American Kickboxing Academy, it's a it's a very well-rounded gym. So I think it would be a good gym to go to. Um, what's weird is when Jake Paul started talking about going into boxing, I always said that that seems like an odd choice, that with his wrestling background, it seems like MMA would be a better fit. And now that he's talking about mm-hmm. going into MMA, I'm like, well, you know, high school wrestling isn't exactly a pedigree. Just stick to boxing, man. <laughs> yeah, I think, though, even with that wrestling background um, and going over to a camp like AKA, to your point, even though it's called American Kickboxing Academy, they've had some of the all-time best wrestlers ever to come into MMA. Uh, Fitch, super top-notch, as we talked about. DC, I mean, what can you say? The guy is a fat 5'11 dude that launches, you know, 6'5 heavyweights through the air, right? Um, And Khabib, I mean, you know, the mauler, right? Um, And that's not all. You know, there's been so many more. But um, That's without even mentioning D1 All-American and multi-heavyweight champion Kane. Like, the list goes on Exactly. Exactly. And so when I look at that, I say, you know what, who better kind of to bring it out of him? I think, and this is just my opinion, uh, although the wrestling part is tough, I think if you have a background in wrestling, even if it was high school wrestling, and you're coming into MMA, in my opinion, the wrestling area is a important area to focus on. Um more so than the striking. And what I mean by that is not kind of doing it instead, but if you can go to a gym that's more focused on the wrestling, I think it'll help you bring you up to speed more in MMA because if you get in trouble, it's easier to fall back on the wrestling. Whereas if you, you know, have the striking and no wrestling, you get in trouble. You're just out there in trouble, you know? Uh, So I actually like the idea of him going over to that gym. No, I agree 100%. And I I was making a joke. For one, Ohio high school wrestling, you know, he was a state qualifier, is is fairly high-level wrestling. It's just, it's just odd how quick my personal mindset has changed. Uh, shows what, what creatures of habit we are. Because I was like, yeah, why would, he, why would he box when he's got a wrestling background? Now that I've seen him win a couple boxing matches, I just assume, like, Ah, just stick to that. Yeah, no, and I didn't take it necessarily against what you were saying as much as it was just looking at his choice of camps going over to, right? Most of the guys coming in like him with already some type of name. They're picking one of those big gyms. And I wouldn't want to see him go over to a gym like ATT because I think he needs a different kind of atmosphere. And he, being at, he's going to either, my guess, be fighting at 85, somewhere around there. I don't think he can get down to 70. So he'll be fighting at 85 or 205. And I just think he's going to come across a lot of, you know, competition for whatever promotion he goes into out of being at a gym like ATT. 
Whereas I think he has just more training partners and guys that can help him over at AKA that's not necessarily his direct opposition. Well, and I think it's also he's California-based, you know, so obviously yeah. that's a logical fit too. But I think the move to MMA, I feel like it's inevitable after this fight. And I almost think if it's I think it's a win or a lose situation because if he wins and he knows that this is about it's a big jump up from here. After Anderson Silva, the next level of competition is in the deep, deep waters with these guys that are elite level pro boxers. Not to say Anderson Silva is not a great striker, hasn't done, you know, yeah, he beat Cesar Chavez Jr. I'm impressed with all that. I'm just saying the fights get increasingly less winnable for somebody that's been at it as high as Jake Paul as he's climbs the ladder after that. And then I think even if he loses, then he can always bring up the, well, yeah, I'm stuck standing up with one of the greatest strikers in combat sports history. If I was able to use my my wrestling and some different things, maybe it changes a little bit and uses that to parlay into, and you know, at least a small, you know, couple fight MMA career, depending on how it goes. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. And um, you know, the biggest argument on in the boxing community is he hasn't actually fought any boxers yet. Right? He's fighting NBA guys, guys from MMA. As we've talked about here many times before, boxing is a totally different sport. Kickboxing is a totally different sport. Muay Thai is a totally different sport. Just because you can do one doesn't mean that you can transition over to competing against the best at another, right? So, um, you know, with that said, um, let's not talk crazy. Um, If he beats Anderson Silva, you know, I'm probably going to have to find him, go ahead and do that old, you know, Nancy Kerrigan, Tyler Harding thing. I'm going to break his kneecaps because I can't have him ruin my whole adulthood by beating the GOAT Anderson. I don't care what it is. If he beats Anderson Silva in horseshoes, I got to find him and break a couple kneecaps. That's just what it is. You know, what can I say? You know? What's what's crazy is the closer and closer we get to the fight, the more realistic that that, that possibility gets. Because think about it, a year and a half ago, Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva, the the fight even being made was it was a non conversation. It would never happen, but it was comical. Now, I'm a Silva fan, so I put on my brave fa- face. There, there's a chance, though. You know, Jake, Jake Paul. No chance. Zero know. chance. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna let you spew. What <laughs> was the uh, Talladega Knights? Don't you wish that evil on me, Ricky Bobby? <laughs> Don't you wish that evil on Anderson Silva? Uh, but uh, piggybacking from that, um, so if he is coming over to MMA, we know what camp he's going to now. The next big question, of course, is what promotion? Um, now, um. Chell kicked out a couple ideas, and one of the things that he mentioned was one, which, of course, you know I like. I actually like it for some different reasons than he mentioned, but I want to find out from you first kind of your idea of where you think he should go. 
So I was kicking this around. I mean, the UFC is obviously always a possibility. And as much as him and Dana have sparred back and forth, you know Dana lives for that shit. And uh, he's a great promoter, and he wants he's, he's about his money. So if Jake Paul wanted to come over, he'd definitely consider it. The problem is, I think, him making a move to the UFC, you find yourself in one of these situations, like a CM Punk-type situation, where now you have to bring in somebody for him to fight, as opposed to having somebody on the roster. And, and, and I just never liked that. Um, Bellator, I just don't think it makes the splash. I know Chael was talking about Dylan Dennis is over there, which, for one, I hate that fight, For first of all. But I just don't think it makes enough splash in Bellator. It, it's not going to get what he's going for. Even with the – this is Jake Paul. This isn't a guy that we're talking about that needs to sell a few ads on a shorts or whatever. You know what I mean? He needs – millions of dollars to even step into that cage you know so i think to your enjoyment i think that the best option i think would be one and the reason i think is if you're not going to go with the ufc you know pfl bellator if you don't go with the ufc going with another American promotion almost seems too minor league. I'm not saying it is. That's the impression it's going to feed off. Whereas going to one, you can play it off as kind of one of these, yeah, well, Dana don't play his fight, you know, pay his fighters right. So you could still promote that as you getting an opportunity in MMA without going to a quote unquote, like a, a smaller show or a more, you know, minor league type thing. And then plus, I think from selling the fight, it also makes the same sense because, you know, whether you in if you're in the UFC, Bellator, any of those, they bring their built-in American fan base. But Jake carries a decent American fan base. I think with One FC, they bring a good international fan base, and then he brings his built-in American fan base, and then it's a better fit for everybody. The fight sells more. It puts Jake Paul in front of a more international audience, and it brings in more of an international audience, which one needs. I almost said dream. Um, <laughs> it's like a Freudian slip. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think when you look at all that, I just think it makes it a better fit. And there's more of a chance of finding somebody for him that you could sell that fight. You know, bringing somebody off the roster is not going to make as big a deal. And if nothing else, for look, even Brock Lesnar had one fight for, uh, was it K1 at the time, before he made it over to the UFC. So I think if nothing else, a good way to get in some ring time before you make that UFC leap. I think one would be the way to go to get those reps in while still making your money at it. Yeah, I agree. One of the things that Shell pointed out was, and, you know, to my enjoyment, one has been doing this, you know, they did a deal with Amazon Prime. So they've been having events here, which I love because um, it's not as simple as them being on Prime, because before most of the one events, a lot of them you could watch on one's website. Um, the issue was the time difference. They were on, you know, they pretty much run everything out of Asia. The, this last event was over in Singapore. Um, and so the issue is the time difference. So, you know, you you may not even start watching the under undercard comes on at like one 
12, one in the morning. Right. So now with this new deal with them, with prime and them coming on, you know, in a time zone that fits the American audience, uh, you know, Chell said basically they need another American star. They got DJ, which is doing well. Uh, they got this new kid. Um, they added a new uh, grappling division. So they got this kid, uh, Mikey. I first actually saw him uh, on Joe Rogan, but he's a grappler. So, um, you know, they got this kid over there. He just won the, the brand new belt for this division. And, you know, just a few other American stars, but a Jake Paul would be huge for this, right? But this is the thing that's even bigger than that to me, why I think a Jake Paul works. Because it's the only promotion that can truly slow roll Jake Paul with still giving you excitement and not hurting him. And the reason being is because they are willing to do all types of special fights. They've done all types of special fights, right? Not just the one that people would know about with Rotang and DJ. That's not the first special fight they've done. And as a matter of fact, this kid, Mikey, when he won the belt this past weekend um, at their event, um, before that, he was on a podcast or something, and he he had mentioned or it might have been Ariel's show. I don't remember what it was, but um, he had mentioned that he would love to do some type of mixed rules fight against DJ, right? So one literally can bring him over and start him off with having a few fights that are a mix where there's a boxing round and a grappling round. We're only boxing and grappling, right? Uh, and for people that don't know, even just their regular setup, they have, uh, and I, I think I've mentioned this before, even if you talk about the kickboxing aspect, they literally have Muay Thai champions and they have kickboxing champions over there. And then they also have, and I forget which one, it's one where they do kickboxing or Muay Thai, but in MMA gloves. So they have all of these different mixtures. What they're really trying to do is what can we do to put on exciting fights? And I think people would love to see some type of mixed rules that you pioneer with Jake Paul that's all boxing and wrestling. Cut out some of the leg kicks and stuff like that until you're able to bring Jake Paul along a little bit more to get him comfortable with that. And now he's able to move into wherever you want with those, um, you know, those other disciplines, MMA or whatever else. Definitely. And then, look, if he wants to try to make a slow transition, you know, um, you're going to get the big gloves off, but you don't mind to make the big deep, you know, jump into the deep end. You could look at uh, Jake Paul versus Mike Perry and Bare Knuckle. Just stop, be an option. Just, just stop it. Of all the times. See, sometimes you bring up Bare Knuckle and I'm like, I'm right there with you. I get it. This is a terrible idea. I just want to go on the record saying that, listen, the thoughts and views expressed here are the thoughts and views of Locke and Locke only. Jake Paul, whatever you do, do not go on a Bare Knuckle and fight Mike Perry. That is a terrible idea. <laughs> a terrible idea. As MVP found out. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do think um, there's just more avenues for him at one. I think he can make money over there. And I don't think he probably can iron out some stuff where 
you know, he still can do some, a few boxing matches a year or something like that. Whereas we know, especially the UFC is not happening. They're not going to allow it. You know, yeah, they they would love to co-promote. The ones about that life. I don't, I, yeah. And I don't think, um, you know, at one point Dana wanted to go that route and start doing it, but I just don't think he shows that he has a commitment to it. And even, I think I mentioned on an episode before, um, he said he was trying to get Khabib back for something that was just grappling, right? And, you know, he couldn't get Khabib back. And obviously, he didn't do anything else with that, whether it was something new or whatever else, because he's not really committed to these things. Whereas I think one has shown if you're a star, they have a place for you if you want to do some some things and mix it up. And even just, you know, fighting different champions, it's not like um, over in the UFC where they make you jump through 2,000 hoops. You're a champion. You defend your crown twice. You can move up or down or whatever and fight the other champion. They don't pigeonhole you, you know? Definitely. Well, with that said... Moving over to one. <laughs> Moving from talking about one to talking more about one. Actually, I do have one more question before we move over to that. If Jake Paul did go to the UFC, hypothetically, what division do you think he would have the most success? What division do you think he would go in? I don't, once again, I, I'm not sure that he would be able to make 170. It depends. But based on his frame, he could fit, in my opinion, opinion anywhere from 170 to 205. Where do you think he would see the most success? I think even if he could wake, make the weight cut, uh, I think 185 would be a better place for him. I mean, for one, it might be quite a draining weight cut. And then I think that once you get down to that division, I think it's a real wrestling-heavy division. And... uh I think that that might take away from some of what he brings to the table as opposed to, you know, in the middleweight, a solid striking plus a solid grappling breakdown uh, background, I think, go a little bit further. Whereas to compete at welterweight, to even hang, you have to have a very, very, very high level wrestling, as we see by guys like, you know, Jorge Masvidal, who's a very good grappler, has very good defensive wrestling is struggling. You 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 know, um it's just it's just it's a lot at that division. So I think even if he could make the weight cut, uh I think middleweight plays a little bit more towards his strengths. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. What's funny though is when I just kind of look at the lineup, believe it or not, I think he would have the most success at 205. Um I know that it's some big boys at 205. But when I look at the, you know, like how we kind of talked about before, where in some of the other weight divisions, you'll have a couple people that really, really, really rise to the top and look above everybody else. I just don't think you have that at 205. And I think you have a lot of guys that are very kind of similar. And if you have to kind of bring somebody up through the ranks, like a Jake Paul, I actually think 205 is the least dangerous for him. I think 185, the issue is, I just think it's way too dangerous, especially if we got 
you know, if they're sticking to making Kamzat move up, you got him, you got Whitaker, you got Adesanya, you got uh, Piera, you got Vittori. It's some dangerous guys over at 85, in my opinion. Well, I think once you get into the top 10, any of that's a little bit much for Jake Paul anyways. I guess my problem is with the 205, I just think, you know, and there's some points to what you're saying, but let's take Luke Rockholt, for example, who I feel like is a good example of about a Jake Paul size guy and just see the difference in size and strength when he tried to move up to light heavyweight and the difficulties he had. And it just, I feel like if former champion and, you know, longtime elite level MMA fighter, Luke Rockholt is struggles with this, with the weight jump at two Oh five. I think it'd be too much for Jake Paul. Cause you know, we talk about the size, uh, just looking through the, uh, Jake Paul is, what do we call it? He's about six, one, six, two, right? He's about six two six three, but yeah, somewhere around there. I mean, you got a lot of Jamal Hills, Reyes, Anthony Smith, Paul Craig. These guys are all six four. You got Johnny Walker at six six. Um, these guys aren't just big; they're giant. Yeah, they are. But I mean, shit. At some point in time, you got to get your own medicine, right? He's fighting midgets, so I mean, you know, guys that are like, you know two inches taller than him i can't give him that much leeway you know he's he's fighting guys five nine and he's six two you know let's see what he's listed as they got him listed as six one here i think he's taller than six one and the reason why i say that like even like when he did this face off against anderson silva they were right there neck and neck so he's right around that but i mean like legit he's fighting five eight five nine guys so yeah, Woodley, was, a, Woodley was shortish at welterweight. Exactly. And, and you know, so I, and he fought, uh, you know, um, what was his name? The, um, you know, the basketball player. Um, Nate Robinson. Who's yeah, known, Nate Robinson. His, his whole thing, like his gimmick is being short. Yeah, being short. So it's like if you're towering over guys Which that Which is still much, regular in, re- in real world height. It's just short for basketball. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, if you're, if you're in that range... I can't really, you know, if you're fighting a guy 6'4", you giving up two inches. I can't really say that that's a guy too big for you. You get what I'm saying? Um, so, you know, you got to be able to give that that leeway. You can't go into everything having to be the bigger man. If you have to be the bigger man, then you probably should do something else. <laughs> that's just my opinion. Well, I think Jake and Logan have openly said the reason that they prefer being the bigger man is they're trying to, that's what they bring to the table. Like, okay, we don't have the years and, you know, the experience that you have, so we're going to lean on size. So I think they're pretty open about the fact that they're picking on smaller dudes. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, I think that's bullshit because the reality is when you compare them to, I mean, now it's a little bit different, right? But the reality is when you compare them to, especially in MMA, we just got finished talking about this maybe an episode or so ago. You have a lot of these MMA fighters. It doesn't take them very long to start getting fights in the UFC. Either you're good or you're not good, right? Um, We talked about Surreal Gone. We talked about Kane. 
a lot of these guys like this that maybe had four fights before coming into the UFC, you know, and then got into the UFC and became champion within like, or, you know, fought for a title within four or five fights, right? So at some point in time, you really can't have that excuse. They've been training for a long fucking time. You know, that's the reality. They've been training for a long time. So you this the new gimmick gets old at some point, pun intended, you know? But Logan's now an elite level sports entertainer. So uh, I know <laughs> I know you're not a, a WWE guy, but he's legit good over there, man. No, that's dope. That's I mean, in general. That's probably an area where they could have went to anyway and just made a lot of money because it fits more their character and everything like that. But I also think it's dope to have some fights, some real fights, and then do something like that where it's less trash, in my opinion, that people can talk because you've shown that you're actually willing to go out there and fight. And as we've talked about many times before, in my opinion, and maybe it's the way that I was raised. Being able to go out there and fight and being willing to fight says a lot about you and your character because most people are not willing to get into a fight. They'd be it a street fight or an organized fight. Most people are not willing to do it. So, you know, kudos to them for that, you know. But now, moving on to one. <laughs> so, um, this past weekend, as I mentioned, there was an event um that one had and uh for this event it was um one championship on pride on prime two so this was the second event the first one as i mentioned was the one with dj um it actually wasn't the mixed rules fight it was his rematch with um uh shoot what Marias. is his name yeah Marais. it was that rematch um and so now this was the second event and for this event they uh, went with another American, uh, Angela Lee, um, and she was fighting. And I'm gonna I'm gonna let Locke pronounce this name. Now I was just gonna go with the panda, but Locke said no, you must say the name, and I'm not gonna butcher it. So Locke, you're up. Who was she fighting? <laughs> it was Zhang Jing Nan. There you go. There you go. So yeah, I'm I, I'm not pronouncing that so but uh it was a good um fight and for this fight um this was their third time fighting just a quick background angela lee was the 115 champion the panda is the 125 pound champion angela lee some years back moved up to fight her for her belt after winning the 115 championship she lost Angela Lee had another fight there. Ended up going back down to 115, getting her, you know, going back to where she had her belt at. So then the Panda decided, well, you tried to come take mine. I'm going to come down there and take yours and become a double champ. And then she lost to Angela Lee. And so now we're like three years, two years after that. And a couple babies or one baby for Angela Lee. And then she decided, you know what? It's time again. I'm going back for that belt I couldn't get. And so she goes back up to 125 to fight the panda. And she takes an L. <laughs> now, um, this was an overall good event. But the main thing I wanted to talk about from this event was the 
as, as far as um the main and the co-main technically the co-main was a grappling match which was with the gentleman i mentioned mikey uh, but as far as MMA fights, the main and the co-main was this fight was the main event. And then in the co-main, uh, Stamp Fairtex, who I've mentioned before, I love Stamp. I've been watching her since her, you know, just straight Muay Thai. Um, she was fighting another young lady whose name I can now Are you going to say her real name? I, I was not. I was gonna call her Shadowcat. That's I was gonna let you pronounce. No, no I was gonna say stamp stamp fair tax. <laughs> no, stamp yeah, that, I said stamp. Well no, I, well, that's like her that's her professional name. Her name's well, see, yeah, so, so this is the issue with that. I only call her stamp fair tax because that's all I know her as because once again, I started watching her in, in Muay Thai in the world of Muay Thai. Your name period that's on everything is your name combined with your camp's name. So and all the big Muay Thai, it's like a Yatsen Clyde Fairtex or all of these other names that you hear. It's unless they go over to MMA or something like that, you never know that that's not their name. So I never even think about the other part of her name. It's not a like a disrespect thing. It's because I know her from Muay Thai, and that's the only thing she was known as in Muay Thai. Well, that's still what she goes by the MMA. I just want to drop more uh, names on you that you are fully incapable <laughs> of even attempting to pronounce. <laughs> but so. she was fighting. Uh, she was fighting uh, Shadow Cat, whose name I cannot pronounce, and I'm not going to try. But uh, it was a really good fight. But it brought these two fights. These women are the kind of the top of the 115 and 125 division over there. And I had the thought: Do I think that these women could compete in the UFC's 125 and 115 division? So I want to throw it over to you first and kind of get your ideas. And then, uh, you know, I'll dive in uh, wherever you take a break at. (laughs) So, yeah, I think that for sure, both of them would definitely be able to compete at the highest level in these weight classes. And and one thing, and I know we've discussed on here in reference to DJ, but over at one, they do the weight classes a little different. So that Angela Lee would actually be like karate hottie who was an atom weight because that's actually what she fights at. Even though it's 115, she's an atom weight karate hottie fought at atom weight her whole career and then went up to 115 in order to be able to fight in the UFC. Great call, by the way. Um, and then so when you're looking at the panda at 125, over in the UFC, she'd actually be at 115. Now, I think... I don't think she would drop down, though. I think she would stay at 125. You know? I think at 125, I think she struggles a little bit more. Um, I mean, I think it, it. I think at that point, it becomes the same problem we see with DJ. You know, where it's it's almost looks like you're stepping up a weight class, because you kind of are. Um, I think it would be easier to cut the 10 pounds because if you look at her size at 115, she's a big fighter. Uh, Angela Lee would still be decent size over there. Um, but Panda would be big when she, when she gets up to, uh, you know, 
125, all of a sudden you start to lose some of that at featherweight. I, I think she's just kind of average to undersized. And uh, now she, she is skilled. Um, I think out of the two, Angela Lee's got the more technical background. You know, she's a jujitsu black belt, she's a taekwondo black belt. But I think both of them will be able to compete at the highest level. I, I, I learned my lesson from DJ. <clears throat> well, not even just DJ. You look at DJ. You look at Eddie Alvarez. You know, it's not like these guys are coming over to one. And, yes, DJ's still having success, but they're not just rolling everybody over. Um, one's putting together a, a decent roster. And as Americans, and I know this is a hard pill to accept, but sometimes we have to realize that just because we haven't heard of people doesn't mean they're not good. And, uh, you know, there, there there's other elite-level athletes in other continents. Yeah, I would agree. Um, as far as the weight classes themselves, I guess I really only looked at it with them competing in the same weight class weight wise. So when I look at the comparison to DJ, if you remember, that was my argument with DJ. He went with the name instead of the weight class, right? So he actually moved up in weight. He went from 125 to 135 over in one. So Correct. when I'm looking at them going to reverse, I only looked at it as them staying the same weight. So, but I do agree with you. Um, I think the Panda would definitely be better going over to um, 115, but I have to look at, she didn't, she didn't have the same thing in my opinion, when she went down and lost weight to fight uh, Angela Lee at 115 that she had at 125. She seems to be a lot stronger. So I think it would be a nice adjustment for her to figure out how to make 115 work. And then she can go over there. I don't think any of the, um, I don't think any of them girls want any part of 125. I just think, I think the UFC's 125 is a different animal, and especially we all know how I feel about the best number one champion, right? Needless to say, um, Shevchenko. So when I look at them, I think any of them can be dangerous at 115. I think they can beat some some of the lower level girls at 125, but I just don't think. Um, you know, when I look at your Andrages, I look at Lauren Murphy, uh, even Chukagian, some of these girls, I just don't see them competing there, Angela Lee or um or the uh the panda. And then as far as um as far as Stamp Fairtex, uh she's a pretty small girl, but um she's about the size of Carla Esparza. You know, the difference, though, I think, and this is kind of what I mentioned earlier, when you have that wrestling and you get in trouble, it's a big tool to fall back on. Whereas Stamp Fairtex is a striker first, and she's still learning the grappling game. And even in this last fight, that was one of the first things that the girl tried to come out and do was come out and grapple the shit out of her, right? So I would worry about her a little bit more than the other women that we mentioned uh, but I could see any of them competing in that 115 division. And I think to your point, I really think that um, 
the UFC could bring in a smaller uh, women's division. I, I could see them bringing in a 105. Uh, whether they would do it or not, I don't know. Uh, we know Dana hates small weight classes, but I mean, you have some really exciting girls that fight that kind of like how you talked about, they're really fighting up because they don't have their natural weight class. So they're fighting much bigger girls. So you're not really seeing their full potential against people their size. Exactly. So when you look at Karate Hottie, and she's put together a great career, very impressive. Uh, she's probably never going to hold a UFC title. I mean, it'd be awesome if she did, but she's probably not going to. Still put together an impressive career. And that's fighting up for almost a decade, you know? And I think, I know you're a big fan of uh, Valentina. I, I'm not a big fan of the 125 division. Um, I think 115 puts on some of the most exciting fights in the UFC. I think it's, I'm not going to say it's the one of the best divisions because that's tough to compare um, when you're comparing divisions across genders. But I mean, from a just a sheer, you know, exciting fights standpoint, I think 115 is one of the best divisions. So I think it makes decent sense to look at, you know, possibly a 105 pound division. Yeah, and I agree with you. This is the problem with 125, in my opinion. First of all, you have a um, a champion that, in my opinion, is far above everybody else. Since she's been there, she's had, what, maybe one tough fight? Everything else has looked completely easy, right? So you have that aspect. But then they didn't go out, and they still haven't yet actually went out to build this division. By the time they do that, we would probably be on the tail end of of uh, Shevchenko's reign because everybody from this division was either people that were too a little bit too small or wasn't having success at 135 or decided to stop cutting as much weight at 115 and go up. And the problem is they run up against Shevchenko who makes them look very bad because she's by far one of the best strikers in all of the UFC. You combine those two. And I think that's the issue. I think they need to find a way to grow more and maybe, you know, next season of Dana White's contender series, get us some more 125 women in there, right? Go find some more real bodies that have been training already and, already looking at being a 125-er to come over, not somebody ballooning up just because it's a new division and they've been beat up too much in the other division and not going to get a title shot, right? Because that's what we saw for this division, and that's what I think the problem is. Not too different than even though, you know, when the 125 was started with DJ, even though they did do some things to spark it, as we saw, it was a similar problem. DJ was too good for the rest of the division and everybody in that division pretty much had moved down to, to go there. Right. You, it wasn't these homegrown 125 guys. Since we've gotten homegrown 125 guys, that division is fucking exciting, you know, yeah. but how long did it take to get there? That's the problem with 125 in my opinion. Yeah, the biggest advantage Shevchenko has is that she's a natural 125er. Yep, yep. 
Yeah, she was already she was always a little uh pudgy at one thirty five. You know, you can tell she didn't have to cut anything. She even had a little, you know, little pudge on the side of the uh on the side of the waist. But it was because, you know, she had to, you know, she couldn't get to her right size unless she put on a bunch of muscle and bulked up. So she had to leave a little fat on the body just to make one thirty five, you know, so but uh but yeah i don't think i don't think any of these girls want anything to do with 125 right now and to your point i do think 115 is some of the most exciting fights period i mean way lee uh uh jj those fights were crazy uh nama yunus jj those fights were crazy nama yunus uh way lee those fights were crazy Nama Yunus breaking my heart. We know it's crazy. You know, she beats all the world beaters and then she keeps losing to Carla Esparza. I don't get it. I don't understand this MMA math for the world to me, but yeah, that's the excited division. Any last words on that? Uh, nope. I believe we covered that. Cool. So that was pretty much it. Um, <clears throat> for people that that didn't get a chance to watch if you have Amazon Prime um that last uh as a matter of fact I think both of them are still up there on Amazon Prime you can go back and watch watch those one fights um if you do I will watch the whole thing not just the fights because you get a chance to see what we've talked about before with the promotion the promotion the effects how they bring the people out to me, I love the way um, they do it over in Asia. A lot of that stuff comes from way back, the way they used to do it in Pride and everything. They really put on a show, and I love to see it, and I think you would really appreciate uh, what they bring as a package for a promotion. Um, other than that, thank you, everybody, for listening. Come again. That wraps up another Fat Boy MMA podcast. If you have a topic for us, please email us at fatboymma55 at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media by going to links.fatboymma.com. That's links.fatboymma.com. Thank you for listening.